morning. I told Kathleen the next time she sang that song, I would sing it louder than I had ever sung it before. That is, of course, unless I was sitting there bawling like a baby. I'm a crier. Um, just get used to it. I cry a lot. I, I just love to cry. I don't know why. It's, it's refreshing. How could, you, how could you not be excited about what God has done for you? Love so amazing. So Now listen to it for just a second. Love so amazing, but love so divine. We have divine love of God. It's God's love for us. Man, so many religions have a loveless God, but we have a God of love. And I just, how that cannot move us all to worship. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There was a note here, deacons and ushers and parking lot patrollers and the welcome team. I don't know if we've given you that name yet, but you're going to have it. There will be a meeting this Saturday, March 19th from 8.30 to noon in the conference room with Andrew. That's with me. We're going to have fun. Now, I don't know how long we're going to be. I just want to say, just take a moment and, and kind of do a little bit of house cleaning. Within six to ten minutes, people choose whether or not they're going to stay at a church. That's the data, okay? Six to ten minutes. Some say one to two minutes. That's the data, okay? So if a visitor comes into our church, they've made their mind up within six minutes at the lowest. Six minutes. They haven't heard a song. They haven't heard a word from the Bible. Six to ten minutes. That means people who visit our church are making their judgment about our community. About how we as a church welcome and invite them in. And so I want to meet with these people because we as a church are going to focus in 2016 on being the most welcoming church we can be. If you're, if you're nervous about how to evangelize, get your feet wet here on Sunday morning by just welcoming new people, okay? Okay, that's not a big thing. Maybe you don't know whether a person's new or not, and you just don't know them. I want you to just go and talk to them. Can you just do that? whatever, think about just whatever rebellious spirit, whatever... I see some people making some faces like, I've been coming to this church for 30 years. I'm not doing that. It's a new day. Whatever rebellious spirit we have, get rid of it. Because we want to see people fellowship with us. We want to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ to be our brothers and sisters that we'll fellowship with for the rest of our lives. So that's one of the things we're going to do. So this Saturday, we don't even know what we're going to talk to you about. Can I just be honest? Denise and I have been planning and planning. We don't even know what we're going to talk to you. Just be here. Just, just, just show. We might even send you home early. We might send you home late, you know. But please, come out. Um, and Denise might be sending you some emails. Where is Denise? Don't hide. Denise, yeah, you're part of this. You're with me. Denise is going to, might send you some emails out. Please, come. Come to the, the meeting on Saturday. If you have your Bibles, turn in them to Acts chapter 2, 43 through 47, and you can just leave, leave it there. We're going to get to it eventually. 
The sermon series that we've been going through is I Am a Church Member. Some of you have, over the last six weeks, have come to me and said, I don't know if I am a church member. We're going to try and clarify that over the next couple weeks. But as a church, this is our, this is our, our verse for the year. And it says this. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. The first thing we're going to do is hold tightly as a church to the message of God's word. We're going to hold tightly to it. If there is, if there is anything in our spiritual walk... Every thought we have, every spiritual, every spiritual feeling we have must be brought under the authority of Scripture. And where it does not conform to the authority of Scripture, it must be gotten rid of. We must get rid of it. Spirit, the, the, the Holy Spirit leads us to God's Word. If it's not leading you to God's Word, it's not the Holy Spirit. Okay? So as a church... We are going to hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, to the, to the message of the gospel, to the Bible. The second thing we're going to do is we are going to think of ways. We're going to think of ways. The writer of Hebrews can't even, he's not even going to give you a list. He's going to help you think of ways. In other words, it's not about list. Americans love list. Twelve steps to being a better father. Ten steps to stop drinking. You know, the, you know the first step to stop drinking? Put the bottle down. It's not about steps. It is about a heart. No amount of steps will ever get you to where you want to be if your heart's not right. So we're going to look for ways, just think of ways to motivate one another to acts, like action. You put it into action. You're doing something of love and of good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. So the, the second thing we're going to do, we're going to look for ways to, to spur up love. So amongst us, we're going to be looking over to the left, my left, and to the right. And we're going to see love being stirred up. And we're going to see people inspired to do good works. Because every one of us is going to have that heart. And then we're going to not neglect our meeting together. When do we meet, church? We meet two days. What, church, what days do we meet? Wednesday and Sunday, right? We only meet two days. And we don't meet very long. Two days. We will not neglect the meeting together as some people do, but not us. But encourage one another to be here, to fellowship here, and especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. If you watch the evening news, you know now more than ever that the day of his return is drawing near. A secret. This is a secret I want to tell you. God can rip away our freedom to worship together overnight then all of the excuses about how tired we are because the kids were too loud or the kids didn't get sleep or we were hungry, we have food or we were angry, we have joy. All of the excuses are going to be gone. Someone said the problem with American Christians is that nobody's trying to kill them. 
we are so happy, we don't have to come. We're too busy for God. We meet two days, two times a week. And I know because it was a struggle for me, so I'm there with you. And I haven't always been obedient, so I'm right there with you. But we don't compound disobedience with more disobedience. We correct disobedience with obedience. Today's passage, or today's lesson, is the last lesson in our series, I Am a Church Member. And this last one is this. It says, I will treasure church membership as a gift. I will treasure church membership as a gift. That's going to be the hardest one for us to get to. Because it means that there's not just an action that we do. We go and we do it. It means our hearts have to change about the way we view this church. Tom Rainer says this, he says, Membership means we have the opportunity, we have the opportunity. That means we may not actually be doing it. Okay, that's what opportunity is. It means you're not doing it. Remember what Edison said about opportunity. People miss opportunity because it looks like work and is wearing overalls. It's going to be work. Membership means we have the opportunity to serve and give rather than the legalistic option to do so. Jonathan Lehman says, well, he's a church membership expert. He says, if you grab hold of how the Bible views church membership, it just might change the shape of your Christianity. There is nothing on earth like the local church. Millard Erickson says this, Christianity is a corporate matter. That means we do it together. It is a corporate matter and the Christian life can be fully realized only in relationship to other people. If you're not a part of our church, a consistent part of this church, you are disobeying God because he has given you gifts not for yourself, but to be used to build up his church. I'm going to prove that in just a moment. The gifts that you've been given, Christian, are to be used here. Not, at, not only at home, not at your work, but here within the body of Christ. Erwin Lutzer said this week, and he was quoting this about worship, but I think it also applies to membership. He says this, Worship is the place where we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves. Church attendance and church worship is the place where we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves. I've defined church membership as this. Church membership is God's gift to us. Let's say that again. Church membership is God's gift to us. The local church is a community of Christians united by his spirit to proclaim the word of God and to stir up love and good works amongst one another, to worship together in assembly and to evangelize to the lost. The church is meant to be a foretaste of the glory of the kingdom of heaven which has not come yet. It is not complete yet. It is here, but it is not yet. 
I saw this in a, in a book entitled Why We Love the Church, written by Kevin DeYoung and Ted Cluck, and they alternate chapters. And I love this section in Ted Cluck's final chapter in Why We Love the Church. He ends it with just a, an expression of why he loves his church. And I love this. He says, if I could leave you with one thought, it's this. Go. Go to church. Don't go for the coffee, the presentations, the music, or the amenities. Don't even go for the feelings that you may or may not get when you go there because, no offense, these feelings may or may not be trustworthy. Most of the time, they're not trustworthy. This is Ted Cluck. Go for the gospel. Go for the preaching. Go to be near to God's word. Around me I see our cinder block sanctuary. That's not a compliment. Green carpet and yellow chairs. And a good friend in the pulpit preaching the gospel. I see other good friends and their families scattered throughout the room. I will see them next week and the week after that, Lord willing. It strikes me that people will go to great lengths to find God, but here in our sanctuary, I'm given the privilege and gift of learning about God and all of his attributes and excellencies which manifest themselves in these people, in our preaching, in our friendships, in our church, and in our fellowship together. There are many people leaving the church and supposedly finding God, but I found him here, and by his grace, I'm keeping, I keep finding him here. I love my church. I love that. When I look around our church, I see paneling that needs to be painted, flags that needed to be removed, dusted, church pews that are falling apart. Love to have screens here and here, and I'd, I'd love to put that up so that you could see the beautiful backdrop of our garden. This is a baptismal pool that is so unique. You've never seen anything like it. I challenge you to take, say differently. It's absolutely beautiful. I come in on Monday and we plan all the way through Friday how we're going to make this a more enjoyable experience. But that's not what makes our church. What makes our church is when we put our arms around one another. And we say, pray with me. What makes our church is when we say, I've been thinking about you, brother. I'm afraid that you are leaving the faith, and I'm concerned. How can I help you, brother? What makes our church is when we give of our abundance, when we give when we have a lot and when we have a little. What makes our church is when we sacrificially serve one another. What makes our church is when I see you on Wednesday nights, and your children play with my children, red and yellow, black and white. And they're running around playing basketball. That's what makes our church. And then when we come to Bible study, and we all talk about Jesus together, and we hug each other, and you hug me and I hug you, and we talk about each other, and we ask about each other's families, and we pray with one another, and we seek God's face together, that's what makes this church and I'm not saying that all of these other things we're talking about aren't important. I'm just saying they're not as important. We want to make this church, we can make it today. 
We don't need big budgets to make this church a pleasing, God-glorifying church. I see potential here. I see potential to be a great church. To fill every pew. To start today by loving one another in a way we've never loved one another. To know that person that you've seen for 20 years and never knew their name. And to go over there and just say, I want to know your name. I learned today an interesting fact. Tony Ganey was Luana Maurer's Sunday school teacher. I'm sorry, Luana. Don't ever share with me again. I never knew that. The good news is it means Tony's old, but you're great. No snowballs this year, right? I love learning about you. I love learning about who you are and what you've given to this church. I love hearing about the sacrifices you've made to make this church great. And the sacrifices you're going to make to make it great again. I love that. But we have to make sure, any of us on the fence, that we will cherish church membership as a gift. How do you see the church? Some of us see the church as a spiritual part of our lives. Others see it as a good thing to do on Sundays. Some see it as a place where we can go to grow as individuals. Others see it as a place where we learn wisdom for living the life the best possible way we can here on earth. A place where we get good advice. A place where we learn how to have the, the best home and be the best parents. That's what a lot of us look at the church as. And we see it as a, as a good thing to do on a Sunday morning. But the question I want to ask this morning, I want us to answer in our own spirits, is do we love the church the way Jesus loves the church, do we see the church as a gift from Christ? I want to answer this in four ways. Number one, Christ built the church. Christ built the church. Matthew 16, 18 says this, And I tell you, Jesus saying to Peter, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Is church important? Yes. Everybody say yes. Yes. Is church membership important? Why? Because the God of heaven and of earth built it. That's why. Do we need any other answer? God built the church. You ever driven by a place and you say, I wonder what they're building over there. I wonder if we need, and then you find out it's something, it's another Walmart. Do we need another Walmart? I don't even like going to that one. Do we need another one right next door? We do, by the way. If you've ever stood in line, you know you need another Walmart. And it's not because they're so packed. It's just because people don't want to ring you up fast enough. I don't know what, have you seen the movie Zootopia with the sloths at the DMV? It could easily be a Walmart scene. Beep, beep, you know, slow. But you see these buildings, you wonder, why are they building that? Why do we need that? Look at these churches around and ask the question, why did God build us? Why did God build this church? Why do we need this fellowship? Do we really need it? Jesus built it. And listen to what he said. 
Peter, you're the rock. I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. And I know the debate about that. So let's leave it there. Peter, I'm going to build this on you. You're going to be the foundation with the apostles. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you feel in your life that Satan is winning little battles more and more, ask yourself, are you within the community and immersed in the community of God the way you should be? Because you don't have a guarantee that you by yourself out there away from God's people are never going to be bothered by the devil. But in here, within the community of God's people, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's not to say there won't be trials and tribulations. It is to say that we lean on one another. There's a reason why Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. So that there would be some kind of bond. We have to be together. Christ built the church. Number two, Christ loves the church sacrificially. Ephesians 2, uh, 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Is church membership important? Christ gave himself up for her. He built her and he gave himself up for her. And that means for you and me. That Christ would give himself up for us. Christ loves the church so much that he would die specifically for the church. Number three, Christ sanctifies the church. Ephesians 5, 26 through 27. That he, that is Jesus, might sanctify her, that is the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself. In splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. <clears throat> there is a continuous work of Jesus' spirit in the church sanctifying her. So God dies for the church. He gives him his life for the church. He builds it. He gives his life for it. And now there is a process of sanctifying it because Jesus doesn't want an ugly, dirty bride. He wants a beautiful bride. A beautiful bride without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. Think about all the money we spend on, on wedding ceremonies. We've got to have this crazy looking dress with flowers that are this big. And it, the, the trail of our dress has got to go for a mile long. Why? Because we want to make ourselves beautiful on our wedding day. But what about the wedding day when we see the king, when we see our, our husband, Jesus? Do we want to be beautiful for him? You are in the upper room preparing yourself right now to make yourself beautiful for Jesus when he returns. Maybe some of us don't believe he's going to show up. It's going to be a runaway groom. Or you're going to be a runaway bride. Make yourself beautiful. Jesus sanctifies the church. Number four, Christ is married to his church. Though Christ is not literally married to the church, the metaphor of marriage is used by Scripture to express the unbreakable bonds that Christ shares with his church. The care that Christ gives to the church and the submission of the church to Christ as the head is what God is looking for. 2 Corinthians 11.2 says this, For I feel divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband 
to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Do you see yourself in that kind of marital commitment with Jesus Christ in his church? It's not just you and Jesus. You don't have your own thing going. It is you as God's church with Jesus. The church has been given the keys to heaven. To loose and to bind. Not you. All of us together, covenanting together, have been given that authority. So ask yourself this morning, do you see the church the way Christ sees it? If you're making church about your own personal preferences, if you're using church for what you can get out of it, if you're not sacrificially serving one another, if your commitment to the church is only as deep as the first sign of trouble or change in music, or change in Sunday school program, and if you're not bound to the church to be there through thick and thin, chances are you don't see the church the way Christ sees it. So how are we going to demonstrate then that we see the church the way Christ sees it? Many of us are asking today, okay, I hear what you're saying. Now give me something to do. Give me something to do to demonstrate that I love the church the way Christ loves it. That I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to be the spouse in this relationship. I'm ready to do my job of being what God wants me to be in this church. I want to give that to you this morning. Now, Acts 2, 43 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching... And the fellowship, they devoted themselves to it. Very strong word there. Marital even. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. And had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That was a church worth being a part of. They were eager to sell. They were selling their possessions, man. It's not communism. This isn't, this isn't sanctified communism. This was my brother's in need. I've got this. I don't need this. I'll sell it. <laughs> Here, brother, take this money. It was a spirit, a heart that said, I want my brother to be taken care of. I'm sacrificing for him. They were eating together Wednesday night. We eat together as a church. We had great chili last week. Diane made phenomenal chili. And I got to learn about the way that she cooked her food. And we sat together and we share at each other's tables. And it's exciting we read the scriptures together. 
We attend the temple together. We break bread in each other's homes. And the Lord sees that and he says, that's the type of church I'm going to add to. What can we do? I'm going to give you some practical things you can do. Since I've been asked, what can we do? What specific things can we do? I'm going to give you some things that I specifically would love to see happen in our church. Number one, pray for and with one another. Pray for and with one another. People come up all the time and they'll say, hey, will you pray for me? Yeah, sure, I'll pray for you. And you walk away and you're not going to pray for them. You're not. You might, you might, maybe you'll remember later, but you are missing out on one of the sweetest experiences with your brothers and sisters. Stop right there. Pray with them. Put your arm on their shoulders. Put your arms around them. And the two of you or three of you, if you see somebody walking walking by, grab them and pull them in and stop and pray with them. Do it in community together. There is nothing like experiencing prayer with a brother and sister. Recently, I, if someone says, can you pray for me? I'd say, let, let me find a time of the day where I'll just come and I'll just pray with you. Just let me come up there and pray with you. And almost 100% of the time, the person when we're done praying, both me and that person are in tears. Why? I'm not usually in tears when I'm by myself in prayer. Why are we in tears now? Because it means something to them. It lets them know that there's someone else just like them who cares for them and cares for them in Christ in a very unique way. So here's the challenge. The next time somebody says, will you pray for me? Stop right there and immediately pray with that person. What can we do to stir up love and good works? Pray with and for one another. But also when you're in your alone time. Lord, I'm just thinking about so-and-so. I know that they're having a rough day. God, you've given the church to intercede on behalf. I know that I'm going to get to heaven one day. I just, I just feel it. I'm going to get to heaven one day and there's going to be some old woman over in the corner who I probably never talked to who's been praying for me. And God's going to say, that woman has been praying for you. Something like that. I know that there are people in this church that I don't speak to on a regular basis that are praying for me. And you don't know but that I don't do the same for you. That we don't constantly pray for one another. You believe, as I do, that prayer changes things. Then do it. And do it with one another. James even commands it. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. It is to be a part of the kingdom and of the church that we are constantly praying with one another. Second thing we can do, worship with one another in song and in study. In song and in study. I want you this week, this is a challenge, I want you this week to commit yourselves when you come here next week to sing our worship music like you've never sang the worship music before. Louder than you've ever sang that music, sung that music before. Come and listen to the words and next week worship together. 
Kathleen gave me a, an album, a worship album this week. I said, Kathleen, I, I just need, I need to get away from all this crap that I listen to. Secular music is so just full of crap. I need worship music. What can you give me? And she gave me Keith and, and uh, I don't even know his name, Keith and Kristen Getty. And this week I listened to that in my car. I cried every day just on the way here. Worshiping in my car. Because someone was speaking, and, I, and what was so wonderful about this album is that it's a live album, and you could hear these people singing the same songs and their voices, and it was so beautiful because they're my brothers, and they're there too. When I go out into the world and I see that the world is nothing like what I want it to be, and I long and desire for the Father and for the kingdom, it is good to know that there are others who do the same. So I want to challenge you this week. Come and edify us with your voices next week. But also edify us and study. Study with one another. Here's another thing we can do. We can eat with one another. Eat with a fellow church member. One of the best places to do this is on our Wednesday night. Come and just eat with us. Just come and eat. It's very simple. We get to talk about stories that we would never talk about. Come and eat with us. Evangelize with one another. One of the guys I've been blessed with in this church is Johan. Johan and I usually play golf. We'll, we'll play golf from time to time. Of course, I always win, except for that one time when I lost. But I always win. And just so you know that, just so we're counting. But Johan and I, when we get in the cart together, you, in golf you play in fours. And Johan and I will start to evangelize. We'll say, hey, look. Did you hear what that guy said up there? Hey, let's, let's, try and, let's try and make sure that we talk to him and we, we, we get an opportunity to share the gospel with him. You know where that started? That started in Costa Rica with he and I were just spending time together. I never knew Johan. We knew of, of each other, but I didn't really know him personally. And we were hammering nails on the, on the sideboard and we got to know each other just by being around each other. And we've turned into a team where we evangelize to people. It's a wonderful opportunity to evangelize and share the gospel with people. And that's why Jesus sent his evangelists out two by two. How about help? This is a great one. What can I do to stir up love and good works? How can I show that I cherish church membership as a gift? Here's one way. Help a brother or sister overcome sin in their lives. What greater service to your church is there than helping your brother or sister overcome sin. Listen, if your brother and sister is sinning, it is your business. It is your business. Well, it's none of my business that he's cheating on your wife. False! It is your business because that is your brother. And if you see a family member going towards some kind of harm and some kind of danger, your job is to grab them and say, no, brother, no. I love you. Stop it. Please. And then if they don't, with a tear in our eye, they're not your brother. Pray for them as you would a lost person. But it is your business Get involved in the lives of one another. Take that risk and say, brother, I think you're sinning. You're sinning. See what the scripture says here? 
See? It says that this is wrong, and you're doing it, and you're not repenting. And if he doesn't listen to you, Jesus says, go and get another one. Take two or three and say, brother, listen, we together, are, we searched our hearts. We prayed about this. You're not where you need to be with the Lord. And then if he says, to hell with you three, take it before the elders. Come and get the pastors and say, we're afraid that this person is rejecting and that they're, they're in trouble. They're, they're, they're not showing that they have the Spirit. And then if they say, I don't care about what the elders have to say, treat them as you would a lost person. But Jesus said, your brother's sin is your problem. Help your brothers overcome sin in their lives. Galatians 6.1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. In other words, listen, you who are spiritual, you have to provide some kind of spiritual guidance to help that brother or sister overcome sin. But be careful. Be wise. Use discernment. If you know your brother's addicted to strip clubs, don't go meet him at the strip club, okay? You would be shocked at how many times I would have to take off my shoes and show you how many times I've heard people say, oh yeah, they're lost, I had to witness to them at the strip club. You would be shocked. No, you don't. But they are your problems. Tell your brother his fault. Win your brother back. Number something. Bear the burdens of others. Bear the burdens of others. Sometimes people in our church are hurting. Offer your ear. Offer your time. Offer your tears. Offer your money. Offer your home. Offer your car. Offer your possessions. Just cry with somebody sometimes. Just put your arm around them. What a reward it is to give from what God has given us. The Bible tells us rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Cry with those who are crying. Galatians 6.2 Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How about this one? Talk to someone new each week. Every one of us is a welcomer in this church. Do we really want to know how we can stir up love and good works? Start by talking to someone new. Set aside one night this week where you study your Bible with someone else. Maybe call somebody. We have FaceTime. We have Skype. Call somebody up. Hey, brother, just five or ten minutes. Can we talk about something? You ever wondered this? Don't talk about the weather. Don't talk about your, your ailing hip. Just talk about theology. Just talk about God. Set aside one time this week. Give to someone in need. Attend a Wednesday night Bible study or a Sunday school. I have here in my notes, say this nicely. I really do. But, but for just a moment, examine your excuses for not coming to Wednesday night Bible study and Sunday school. The two I always hear are, I'm too tired for Wednesday, or I'm not going to get up that early on Sunday morning. True. It's too early. Ah, Sunday's my day off. I want to get up later. Let me be heavy-handed. This is a privilege 
You don't see it as a privilege because it's not been taken away. When it gets taken away, then it will mean something. People all over the world are risking life and limb to be in the fellowship of God's people. And we're too tired to come on Wednesday? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because there was a time where I had to look in the mirror and say that to myself. Sunday school is too early. Have kids. You don't know what early is. I haven't slept in three years. That's why I got these bags under my eyes. Come, be with us. These excuses are lame. God forbid persecution ever come upon the American Christian. At the rate of our excuses, we'll fold at the first sign of trouble. Well, I can't get up too late. If I wasn't going to get up because it was too early, I sure as heck ain't going to go to church if they're going to take me and arrest me. You think that couldn't come to our shores? I want you to see how closely this same-sex marriage act is tied into our tax status. And how closely those two things are related. And how there may come a day where the American church is asked to give more than it's ever given in order to keep its very doors open. It could happen overnight. Listen to the reasoning of those Supreme Court justices. There was none. It was foolishness. Because they're not out to do reasoning and to do God's work. This is a privilege. Lastly... Just prepare your home and your heart for Sunday morning worship. Some of the worst days of the week are mornings in, a, in, in our homes on Sunday. By the time we get to the church, we hate each other. You take that car. I don't want to wear that dress. I don't want to eat that. And we're yelling and we're yelling. No, I don't like the way she's telling the kids to do this. And she doesn't like the way I'm telling the kids to do this. That was what it was like in my home growing up. It was tough on Sunday mornings. Dad was up early. Mom was, we were stressed. David and I were being lazy. Prepare your homes for worship. Don't worry about your shirt and tie. If you come in shorts and flippers, I'm just glad you're here. You hear me? Your best for God is not your suit, it's your heart. That's your best for God. Oh, we got to put on our best for God. No, you don't. Forget the suit if it's going to tear apart your house. Just put on a t-shirt and shorts. Who cares? Better that you love your brother than that you divide a house over whether or not the iron is working. Come in your wrinkles. Go shop at Abercrombie and Fitch. Everything they have there is wrinkled anyway. <laughs> Here's the point. Church, we're at the end of it. Church membership has got to be important. And the ways we do it is not by sitting on our cans, canning all we get, and sitting on our cans, something like that. You know where I am. It's by getting involved. It's by taking risk. 
It's by each and every one of us making this church our church. Each and every one of us seeing these leaders as our leaders. Each and every leader seeing this church as our members, as our sheep. And we're responsible for them. Leaders, this church will never rise higher than you. So you have to perpetually be rising to the Lord. And bring them with you. Take out your sixth pledge from your bulletin. Once again, we do not need these pledges. If we see church membership as a gift, it's going to be evident among us. Here's what the pledge says. This membership is a gift. When I received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I became a part of the body of Christ. I soon thereafter identified with a local body and I was baptized. That's the story for almost every one of us. It is the story for every member. And now I am humbled and honored to serve and to love others in our church. I pray that I will never take my membership for granted, but see it as a gift and an opportunity to serve others and to be a part of something so much greater than any one person or member. If you can commit to that, sign that